Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver Sports Travel. My name is Matt Southgoon, but today is one of those special podcasts where you won't be hearing too much from me. That's because last night we had another one of our live rugby debates. Shane Williams and Lee Byrne, former Wales and British Lions stars, joined our team of rugby writers Andy Howell, Simon Thomas and Delmi Parfit and fielded questions from a live audience at Walkabout. About 80 people in the house, it was a very good night, lots of banter, lots of laughs and fun flying around, but there was also some good serious discussion and insight as well. Don't panic if you couldn't make it down, because here is exactly what went on. Okay, let's get started. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. This is, uh, as I said earlier, the main event of the evening. We've had some fun with the quiz, but this is our special uh, autumn series question and answer session with Wales uh, greats Shane Williams and Lee Byrne, Lions uh, stars as well, and uh, Wales Online's uh, journalists Andy Howell and Simon Thomas. Uh, I've always said on these occasions, and we've done them a few times now, um, this is your agenda, this is your evening, you're going to set whatever we talk about, um, so please don't be shy, let's, let's get as many questions uh, as we can, um, and let's make good use of the time. So uh, I'm going to stop talking now, um, normally I ask the first question, but I'm not going to do that tonight, I'm going to go straight to the floor, and uh, John Dole is roaming around, so if you want to ask a question... Uh, John Germain, um, I, w- I, w- I would warn you that um, uh, he- he's been working out lately at his local gym, so don't try and shake his hand because he's likely to uh, crack a few of your fingers. So, uh, John, you've got the first question, I think. Yeah, thanks for that, Delmi. Uh, this gentleman tells me he's been working on his question all week, so it should be a, should be a cracker to start us off with. Uh, tell the panel your name and uh, fire away with your question. So, my name's Lee. Um, basically, uh, just looking at the future of sort of Welsh rugby... Like, obviously, we've always had sort of star players that always really sort of stand out. So who are the players that you think are going to start showing their their true potential in the upcoming games and basically the future of Welsh rugby? Lee Lee, Lee starts off with that one. Um, Because I don't know much of a forward, so I'll probably name it back. But um, for me, probably Steph Evans um, for one on the weekend and obviously... Last year with the with the Scarlets and this season he's carried on that form. But another person I was, you know, I in the five games I was with the Dragons with was uh, Hallam Amos. Um, you know, I, I could see the potential he had, um, you know, on the training field, and uh, it's about uh, it's about giving him some uh, some game time now. And we seen on the weekend he scored superbly that try against uh, Australia. But uh, yeah, you know, I've always uh, I've rated him, and uh, hopefully he can come through, and uh, you know, for the next World Cup, hopefully. Shane. Yeah, I think there's there's a number of good players coming through, and I thought, um, well, I, I I think that uh, Warren Gatlin seems to have uh, changed his game plan a little bit. He's he's all of a sudden decided he's going to blood these youngsters and uh, put on a young bench, and which is great, it's encouraging to see. Um, I think yeah, I got to agree. I'm uh, I, I, Mims is a good player, but uh, Stephen Evans, I was I was quite si- excited about. He's almost been forced into the team now because George North is injured. Um, he's been playing exceptionally well for, for the Scarlets for the last three seasons, probably the form player for in the Pro 14 for some time now. And what I like about him is that he's he's different. He does um, 
he's a little bit unconventional really. He doesn't he's not one of these wingers that stays on on the wings and scores tries. He works very hard. Uh, he comes off his wing, he comes he, you know, he works off ten, he works off forwards and he gets in places probably uh, he shouldn't be getting into really. And and because of that he makes the defence um really have to pay attention to what he does and he and he's very difficult to mark in that respect and um, I thought I thought he, you know he, he had a good game on the weekend. Okay, he he, he did make a few mistakes, and uh, the Kirtley Beal try was almost f- freakishly um, you know freakishly taken away from him there. But he learned from that, and um, you know w- what I hope now is that you know he, he doesn't dwell too much on that. He did take his try very well. He played he played quite well, made a few mistakes, um, but the sign of a of a good player and, a, and someone with a strong mentality, you know, is someone that can make mistakes kind of forget about that, move on, and then next time he plays, plays well again. So I'm looking forward to see Stefan back on the field, uh, playing with the same intent he played on the weekend and he does with the Scarlets. Uh, and I think he's one for the future. He's a little bit different to what we've had for some time, and uh, I enjoy watching him play it. Andy, uh, who's, uh, who's exciting you in that regard? I saw for a second and Shane was talking about himself. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I like him. <laughs> I'll, I'll differ from these pretty boys next to me. I'll go for the forward then. I think uh, as soon as Elliot D gets a chance, I think he's going to make a big impact uh, for Wales. At uh, Hooker, he's on a bench this weekend. He's had, uh, last season, he had three ankle operations and a nose job. But uh, but he's one of the best trainers around. Really fit, athletic, powerful. He's got skills and vision. I think that I know Gatlin's a fan of him. And I think when he gets an opportunity, uh, he might be there uh, to stay. And Ken Owens, Christian Dacey face a big battle for the number two jersey in future. Okay, uh, in- interesting. Um, John, have we got another question out there? Yeah, yeah this gentleman here, who I believe, is a, f- a friend of Andy Howells, which is slightly worrying, but we'll, uh, we'll give it a whirl anyway. Uh, off he goes. Alan Jenkins. Um, not, not necessarily at the two boys in the middle. Maybe the panel can uh, enlarge on this, but I've got a bit of a bugbear about Gatlin's Law. Um, and as far as the boys in the middle, you've both played abroad as well as at home. Now, those who play on the other side of Office Dyke, in my opinion, play at a different tempo and are better players because of it. And the list is endless. There are examples in the current squad. Priestland, Owen Williams, Falatau, to name but a few. But then if you enlarge that, you go to Tom James in Exeter, Alad Brew in Bath, Luke Hamilton this season in Leicester. I could go on. So what's the answer? Let all our top players play in England and France? Maybe not. All I'm asking is, have you a strong opinion on it? Um, that sounds like a question tailor-made for Simon Thomas on the end there. Uh, so Simon, take it away. Just this for that one. Thank you very much. Um, I seem to spend the last four years writing about Gatlin's Law and various guises and forms. And I think most people came to the opinion that it, it really wasn't fit for purpose. You know, it, it wasn't Gatlin's idea, it wasn't a law apart from that, it was fine. You know, it, it just didn't do what it was set out to do. It didn't prevent the exodus of players. It was seen by the public as having too many loopholes, too many caveats. It wasn't effective. There wasn't anybody who particularly got caught by it. It wasn't working, it wasn't doing what it said in the tin. Something had to change. They've looked now to change it by bringing in the 60 cap system as the Australians had before. It's something I've advocated myself. I think it's a halfway house. We don't, I personally don't think we have the resource um, to be able to say, I know Andy disagrees with me, I'll have to say in a moment, I don't think we've got the resource to say, um, stay in Wales, to play in Wales. 
I think the 60 cap thing is a sensible starting point. It means that you have players who you give six, seven good years to Wales into the regional system, strengthening the regional system, and then towards the end, latter part of their career, 27, 28, depending on how fast they get those 60 caps, there's still the opportunity for a lucrative end of career deal. And I think if you look at why the new system has been brought in, it is essentially to try and strengthen our domestic game so that what you refer to there, the higher quality and the higher standard you get in England, we will hopefully raise the standard here so we can be competitive. It's not easy, there's financial restrictions, but I'm yet to see anybody come up personally with a better solution than the one they've just come up with. Although I will add, I do feel very sorry for Reese Webb. Very, very sorry. I think it's a solid policy they brought in place and they didn't need to make an example of him, a, a casualty of him, because especially as you know, he, he did actually make the agreement and sign with Toulon beforehand. I think it would have been simpler and fairer probably to have said this only applies to people who sign deals after the announcement. That's just my personal opinion. Um, and I feel sorry for him. I don't think it's going to change the next season. He won't play, and that's a shame. But I'm sure Andy will have uh, some thoughts on this one. I, I, actually, I think we let, I, mean, I, w I would like to come to you, uh, Bernie, on this next because you you played for Claremont at a time when you were still, at, at, you know, obviously in your prime. Um, Shane went to Japan, um, and I got selected for the Lions. Didn't want to play there. I think the thing where you said, you know, playing abroad makes you better players. Shane went to Japan and he learned how to clean out of a ruck. Um, <laughs> and he's actually quite good at it. Um, but yeah, you know, he's second row there, isn't he? But um, yeah, when I went to Claremont, I think, you know, it was one of the best decisions. You know, it was a tough decision. I'd had all my uh, release clauses, etc. Um, I was playing with, you know, the likes of Sivivatu, Fafana, Rougeri. Um, Morgan Parra, you know, if these players, you know, training them day and day, don't make you a better player, then, you know, you, you're doing something wrong. And, you know, I, they really brought the best out of me when my sort of career was stolen a little bit. So for me, it was, you know, it was a breath of fresh air going to a different environment and playing with these these Kiwis, these Australians, and, and learning things. You know, you're never too old to learn. And, uh, you know, and that's what I did. And, uh, yeah, I had the, you know, the best times of my life. Okay, um, look, let's, let's try and get through as many as we can. John, uh, can I yeah, come okay. to you? Yeah, don't, we'll take, take one from social media before we go to the, um, uh, the rest of the crowd. It, it, it's the lead to start with. Uh, do you have any regrets about your comments regarding Rob Howley in your new book? <laughs> Which is br brilliant, by the way. Regrets, I didn't say more. All from Cardiff. And uh, what, does, uh, what does Shane and the rest of the panel think about it all? Well, I... If he, if he wants to see the uncut version, then he'll he, he'd be sorry. But uh, no. <laughs> so I toned it down a little bit just for, just for uh, you know just for the read. But no, of course I'm not. You know, I, when you write a book and you, know, you can't uh, you can't lie about it. You've got to. It is what it is. It's uh, when you sit down and reflect on it. I did actually for a second feel a bit sorry, but then I thought no way. Um, <laughs> When, uh, when uh, obviously the Wales Online were given, uh, getting stuck into Rob, I, you know, that's when I felt a bit sorry, but uh, no, you know, I mean... <laughs> Blame us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you've sold 10,000 books for me, so I don't mind. <laughs> uh, uh, so, thanks, mate. Uh, but uh, no, you know, it's, uh, I definitely wouldn't regret it. It's something I, I'm quite proud of, um, looking back now. Never thought I'd, you know, imagine I'd play for Wales, never mind write you know, an autobiography, and uh, not many people... You know, do that, and uh, yeah, you know, for 
obviously Shane I'd have a legend like Shane to f- put a forward in it for me as well and uh, I owe you money for that as well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. but yeah no it's, uh, so that's the answer no uh, yeah you, I think you, you asked what I thought about it really um, I've read his book it's not as good as mine but <laughs> Oi, you, you, you did a book did you Shane I did a book yeah did I did sell? a book yeah I don't know, I don't know right. writer. I don't know right, yeah. <laughs> Some fella, I've forgot, forgotten his name now. Tell me something. Uh, I don't know right. None of pictures for me in your book, Lee, I've got to be honest. <laughs> no, look, you, you, what you put in the book is, is, is your life, isn't it? It's, uh, you, you certainly don't regret it. If, you, if you've thought about it and you want to put in your book, you're putting in your book for a reason. You're not putting in the book to, to peeve someone or, 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 or cause controversy. You're doing it because it is part of your life, and I think... Uh, you know, there's definitely no, there was no regrets when I wrote my book, and I'm sure it's the same for Lee. Uh, Andy, uh, what about your book? Um, what, what, say on a serious note, what did you think of uh, of um, Lee's uh, observations on Rob? Yeah, well, Lee's entitled to his opinion on uh, Rob, isn't it? No, I'm not going to uh, disagree with him. Obviously, it's I've 95% never rugby in that book. So yeah, why, that's why what I mean. Three on the Rob. <laughs> no, I wrote this Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a great read. Uh, I must say the standard rugby books has uh, improved since uh, Shane's was uh, written. <laughs> Dell. Uh, uh, I thought that Adam Jones did a great book last year and Lee's followed it up this year. I think they've set the standard and I admire their honesty and for telling it like it is because, you know, there's nothing worse than a bland book is there, with nothing in it, basically. So, so, uh, Simon, um, Simon, you wrote Martin Williams's uh, autobiography. Any observations? What I will tell you is the story. I spoke to Lee, a little message back and forth, and he said, I'm writing a book. We've got a book coming out. Do you think, uh, do you think the Western Mail might be interested in another look at it? I said, uh, well, you know, have you said much in it? Oh, I've said one or two things. <laughs> <laughs> I then received the manuscript from the publishers, and I said, uh, yes, Lee, you have, uh, you have said one or two things. <laughs> As everyone says, it's your story. When I did Martin Williams' book, I said, you've got to be happy with it. It's your life story. You're happy with it. You put your thoughts out there. People can make their own thoughts and judgments on it. And what I will say, it's an outstanding read. Good stocking filler for Christmas. Yep, yeah, yeah, I'd endorse that. Okay, let's go back to Mr. Muscle at the back uh, with another question. Uh, thank you, Dale. Uh, yeah, we'll go to this gentleman here. Uh, off you go, sir. Evening, everyone. Uh, my name's John. Two things. For, we were talking first about uh, future stars. Nobody's mentioned Thomas Young, Player of the Year in the English Premiership last year, selected by the players. Not getting a look in. Criminal. But my question is, uh, and I'm afraid it's a bit more serious, there's a big issue with concussion. The WRU have taken a good stand on it and are quite strict. But I notice that it's spreading down now. There's people talking about no contact to children, uh, whatever, youths leaving school. Do you think there's a way that safety can be improved, or do you think we are at a point now where if we change it much more, the game is going to be spoiled from what it is? Well, Shane, I want to come to you on that, because for obvious reasons, if you don't mind me saying so, as a guy who was of small stature, but... Nothing wrong with that, Dale. No, no. Um, but, but, but proved that that needn't hold anyone back. And I remember you um, explaining to me that, uh, about a tackle you had off Backy's Bota uh, while playing for Wales against South Africa, and which left you f- feeling like you were in a computer game. So um, I'll leave that with you. Yeah, look, it's, uh, it's, 
it's no surprise really that concussion is a major uh, major thing in in sport and I suppose and, and definitely rugby yeah there was a number of times where I'd received bangs on the head and back in the day it was how many fingers am I holding uh, is, is the physio holding up you'd say three you had two or four well, you were close enough so you know, <laughs> you know. And in all honesty, I, 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 and Lee being the same, we'd have done anything not to have been taken off that field. And that's just, you know, egos there and, uh, and trying to be macho. But, yeah, of course, we, we, we want to make sure our players are safe. Concussion is, is uh, a major factor in, in sports, not only rugby. And, um, you know, first and foremost, player safety has got to come first. As for in schools, of course, yeah, even more so. We've got to look after our children, of course we have. But then we, where we talk about... Not, uh, not allowing our children to, to tackle until a much older age. I just think that's ridiculous. Now, an example, my son's eight years of age now, and, yeah. Like, my, my son's eight years of age, and uh, they play tag rugby at, uh, from six, seven upwards. When my son was playing tag rugby, I was teaching him how to tackle at six, seven years of age, because I knew that when he got to eight years of age, he was going to be tackling and that he wasn't learning to tackle at eight years of age, he could already tackle. Does that make sense? Yeah. It doesn't even make sense to me, to be honest with you. So, so my, when my boy went to his first tackle training to play tackle, he was a year ahead of these kids because he knew where to put his head in the tackle. He knew how to fell, uh, fall. He knew how to roll away when the tackle was made. And he was safe. And I felt better than myself because I taught him that. Now, taking that away from youngsters up until whatever age is just ridiculous because... When they get to 15, 16 years of age and they're tackling or learning to tackle for the first time, they're going to get hurt. They're going to have their head on the wrong side. They're tackling someone that's more advanced, more physical, bigger, and, and it's only going to cause more problems. And for me, it just seems that people who, 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 who are trying to decide, these are people that probably haven't played the sport or probably don't understand it. So, you know, my, I, want my, I want my son to be as, as safe as he could possibly be. But, you know, he might go go down the road and play in the park tomorrow and play up a tree. I'm not going to stop him playing in trees or playing fox and hounds and things like that. So I'm a little bit more old school in, in that sense. First and foremost is the safety, the safety of my kids. But also I want them to learn how to fall properly and how to do the things that might hurt them when they're a little bit older. So that's my stance on it, really. Great, great, great answer there from Shane. Um, Simon, I want to just bring you in on that because I know you're involved with um, junior rugby at, uh, at Landavar FC. Um, have you got any thoughts on, on the concussion issue? What it does, I think, probably merit to mention is a couple of weeks ago I did an interview with Jamie Roberts. Now, some of you may remember that in the, the last time we beat Australia was 2008. And about two minutes into that game, Jamie Roberts collided with Sterling Mortlock, the Wallaby captain. Off went Mortlock. Jamie got up past the old, how are you, Jamie? Went on, played for another 15 minutes, set up a try for Shane, I think, or paved the way for the try. I think I put him in the yeah, tackle. In. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be fair, I pretty much set that up on my own. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think I put you in as well, yeah, didn't I? He, he, yeah. he did blame the concussion and he was feeling a bit slow when Drew Mitchell caught him. That's right, but... Uh, it was, one, it was one of the biggest, uh, you know, I went far away from that, uh, Simon. It was one of the biggest collisions I've ever seen. And they two big heads there, sweet. Not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, not only seen, you could actually hear it. It, it, was, it was horrendous, in fairness. But. And, of course, he stayed on then for 15 minutes after that. Then he t told me the story last week of um, he was standing behind the posts. His nose started bleeding. He had uh, 
taste coming back down of his throat of a, a bit of a, you know, sort of salty taste. And he said, oh, that's brain fluid, being a medical student. So off he went. So he played 15 minutes as it transpired with a fractured skull. Now the point he was making when I speak to him is that's nine, nine years ago. You look at the concussion protocols in place now compared to then, and we have moved on streets ahead. Some might say too far, I don't know. But clearly, it's a positive that we are now taking it as seriously so that that kind of thing couldn't happen again. And I think it is the biggest talking point in world rugby at the moment over the last three or four years, head injuries, because the game is getting more and more physical, and the ball in playtime is higher with the new breakdown laws. You're having car crashes in midfield, phases 25, 30. The battering that players take today is enormous. So we have to have huge concerns, and well, not concerns, but safeguards in place to make sure that players are looked after. That would be my view. Okay, um, John, let's, uh, let's move it on. Have we got another question out there? Yeah, yeah, we'll have a, a, another quick one off uh, Facebook Live where people have lots of comments coming in on there. Uh, the gentleman just mentioned this, actually. Uh, does the panel think it's right that uh, someone like Sam Cross, who's only played one game of professional 15-a-side rugby, gets called up to the Wales squad while somebody like Thomas Young, player of the year, as the, as the guy said, is completely ignored. Okay, um, well, I think, Bernie, you're uh, probably ripe for answering that because um, you obviously had to bide your time before you came into the Wales team. So, so what do you think of that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously we know James Davis is injured as well. Um, and it would be interesting to see if Sam Cross would have, would have jumped ahead of, of James Davis as well. I know, you know, the guys here, you know, we all... We all like James Davis, but it's whether you know his, his face is fits in that environment. But uh, so yeah, Sam Cross, he, you know, he came he came to the Dragons um, for a few sessions, and in fairness, uh, Lynn, I think you know I, did, I think he released him after he came back, and he was looking for a region. And uh, you know, it's amazing to see you know how how much he's developed in in terms of a, a sevens player and a regional player. You know, I know he's uh, speaking to Steve Tandy and Griff of the Ospreys. You know, he's impressed them, and we all see in the Saracens game what he done there. Uh, but should he be in front of Tom, Thomas Young? I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, again, it goes back to players in England. You know, are they picking players in Wales? But uh, if it was me, you know, I, I would have given Thomas Young, you know, a, a crack and, and let you know the Sam Cross uh, buy his time and, and earn that jersey really, because um, Thomas Young has been playing exceptionally well up in Wasps, you know, season after season. So uh, I think for me, it's, it's about time we had a look at him and see what he can do really. Shane. Yeah, you, you know, you, obviously you've got a feel for someone like Thomas because he is a great player. Um, week in, week out, season after season, he's been doing exceptionally well in the Viva Premiership. Um, again, it's you know, it's it, it's 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 what coaches want, it's what players they want, and you know, we talk about you know, we've mentioned James as well, and sometimes it's just your face doesn't fit, or you're not the player that they think is going to fit into that environment and do the job what their seven or what their eight or what their six wants to do, really. So I do feel for him. I really do. I think, you know, um, sometimes you could ask yourself, you know, what else do, What else can you do if you're playing that well uh, week in, week out? And, you, and again, playing a very good team with good players and he's learning every season he plays. So the only thing you can say to someone like Tom is he's, he's really just got to bide his time and hopefully it'll come. It's difficult for, for Sam. I think Sam is a good player. He's a very good sevens player. He's very fit. And perhaps, you know, Wales now are looking for a more dynamic seven that gets around the field because the game is changing. I don't know. It, it does baffle me a little bit because he, with, uh, with Tom as well, he's, he's obviously had a, a little chance, but he hasn't really been given a full opportunity and a chance to show himself. And 
And especially now with the way Wales are playing and, and the way in which they're, they're breeding their youngsters and coming through, Australia was a good example. You know, the, the bench, I think they only had 37 caps on the bench, something like that, compared to 300-odd for Australia. And, and again, that would have been, you know, a, a, a another great opportunity for another youngster like Tom. But I don't know. Unfortunately, we're not the coach and we, we, we can't make these decisions. Andy, uh, a Wales squad call-up after just 90, or oh, say 90 minutes, 80 minutes of, um, of top-level rugby. Uh, what do you think of that? Uh, nothing wrong with that, Del. Uh, I thought Cross did really well at the Olympics, along with James Davis, though James had most of the uh, plaudits. He's a bit more of a character on and off the pitch. Um, Gatland, in fairness, in the past, he's taken punts on a lot of players, and quite a few of them have come off. So uh, why not? Thomas Young went on a tour in the summer. He played in a one-test. Obviously, obviously, didn't fancy him after that. And um, I think Sam Cross is in the squad because Ollie Griffiths is uh, injured. I think Griffiths would definitely been in the squad. And the word is he would have started last week rather than, than uh, Navidi. So, but Thomas is playing really well in the Riva Premiership. Uh, he's not a youngster, mind. He's about 26, uh, 27. That's maybe, young. yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe they think that um, that uh, he's playing in such a good side that perhaps he wouldn't show up. Uh, you know, if he was playing for uh, Newcastle. Would you have uh, James Davis if it? I would definitely have James Davis in squad. I think he's an outstanding uh, rugby player, but his face does not seem to fit. Maybe he's too much of a character for the regime. That 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 said, um, Warren Gatland has mentioned James Davis unprompted um, in the last two press conferences. So, I think um, he's on safe ground there, not there, because James is not fit at the moment. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, we'll see, we'll see. But it's interesting. He's not not mentioned him before. Anyway, let's move on from that. John, uh, what's the next one on the agenda? Yeah, we'll go to this gentleman here who promises me he's got a light-hearted one. So we'll see what comes up. You know, uh, name's Stuart. Uh, thanks for sitting with us, Lee. That was a Brahma. And Hannah says hello, by the way. Um, bit of a light-hearted question. Please take very special note of my accent when I ask this question. If you weren't Welsh-born but you were still able to reach the highs of your rugby career. With the exception of the All Blacks, what country would you like to have played for and why? Oh. To both of you. <laughs> and, and Andy and Simon? Or? <laughs> Who's winning, Andy? Or? <laughs> yeah, you gotcha. It's good. good match, actually, Lee. <laughs> you look it up. Um, well, I'll answer that first. You probably won't like it, but my dad's a Geordie. Um, all my family from Newcastle apart from my mum so for me you know are you London I did actually uh, if you put it in my book I did go for the Scottish Excels as well uh, when I was uh, eight, 17 um, you know because the path was blocked for me in Wales so you know the, I, I would have done anything to play international rugby and I, you know like I said I, I even had trials with Scotland but they never rung back after that so <laughs> It's a good job, really, after all the things I've done to the Scottish team. It's, uh, they wouldn't have gone down well. But uh, no, probably, yeah, I'd say England, probably, for me. Oof. Be honest. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have been England, that's, uh, that's for sure. Um, God. Um, I, I really... I've never been asked that question in my life, I think. Um, oh, sitting on the fence. Yeah. I don't know, I was always known as the white Fijian. Um, <laughs> so perhaps that would have been a good crack, really. No, look, I, I couldn't have, I, I couldn't even have thought of deciding to play for any other team, I think. Um, I certainly, or definitely... It, <laughs> 
but, but there's a but in this. There's a but in this. Uh, no, look, you know, you've taken the all, the all Blacks out of it. I I, I got to be honest. I might have traded the All Blacks for Wales, but um, no, some it's probably like an Australian team. Something like that. I would love to have played with players like uh, Mortlock and and Gitto and Takiri and these guys Mitchell. You know, they've they they just seem to be streets ahead, you know, apart from the All Blacks, really, when it comes to skill and the knowledge of the game and, and, and just their basic skills, really. I don't know if it's like their, their Aussie rules and everything, whatever they've done before, but um, some team, and having played against them enough times to know that they're, they're a resilient team, they're a team that never really gives up. I think Wales have found that out in the last, in, certainly in, in, in the last 10 years and so, where they've been beating the Australians and we've kind of thrown it away or they've come back into the game. So I kind of admire that about them, really, their resilience and their never-say-die attitude. But um, the honest answer is I, cu- I, I could never have played for any other country, really. Um, I've, got f- I've got Irish family. Um, no, nah, I wouldn't have played for them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I d- yeah, it probably would have been someone like Australia just because of the way they play and it probably would have suited my game. But... Uh, that's about as interesting as that answer's going to get, my friend. I'm sorry. You lot. Good luck with that one. Okay, okay. Uh, John, let's uh, move on to another question. Yeah, I'm just going to perch over here to uh, this young man here. Off you go, sir. Cheers, thanks. Uh, question for uh, Shane and Lee. As far as your rugby career is concerned, what is your biggest regret? Right in my book. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Shane, you go first on this one, I think. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a weird one, really, because um, the, the, my, my biggest regret is that I didn't um, play more for Wales. Um, but also, on, on, in the same sentence, it was, that was one of the reasons that I probably became the player I was. And... Um, Obviously, I, I got capped in 2000, uh, played Six Nations, p- played the majority of the games, um, loved it, loved every minute. I was on cloud nine. I thought it was chocolate. I thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. I was a Welsh rugby player. It was great. Um, what, you know, what I didn't take into account is that Stephen Hansen became coach and didn't like me. So um, <laughs> soon came crashing down, let me tell you. But in that, in that period, I only regret that I, I kind of... Um, so what what happened in 2001 when I when I did you know get dropped by Steve Hansen, I found it very difficult. I tried pleasing him. I tried putting putting weight on in the gym. I was taking supplements. I was trying to do things in training that props I shouldn't have been doing. And I was getting injured all the time. And mentally, I was in a really tough place. And I spent probably a year and a half in this place, which which wasn't very good. So th- the regret was that I didn't buck up my ideas sooner and kind of get my shirt back my Welsh shirt back sooner than I did. However, on the, like I say, in the same sentence, that probably that 18 months made me the player I eventually was. It made me realise that, okay, I don't have to please everyone all the time. I don't have to, you know, do, it, do something with the ball every time I get it. I can, you know, I can play myself back in this team just by relaxing, doing what I want to do in training. Yes, putting a bit of weight on, but still working on my speed and my strength in the gym and my power. Uh, and, and 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 of course my fitness and I did that, and you know that that was from probably uh, the end of 2000 to 2003 where I eventually got back in the Welsh team, and you know the rest is history really. So 
the only regret I have, I, the regret I have is that I didn't buck my ideas up sooner and get back in that team sooner. However, perhaps that 18 months not being selected made me the player I was. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of both, really. So no real regrets, but if I would love to have had more caps, I would love to have, you know, got up to 100, and I would love to have scored more tries, and uh, who knows? But I really haven't got any complaints, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's a bit like um, a bit like Shane, you know. I I I've got no regrets. Um, probably the only one I have got is it, that's got nothing to do with for the Dragons. But um, probably when I when everyone says about when I could have come back to play for Wales and I might have had fifty caps, you know, I was on forty six and I could have started against Tonga. Uh, that was totally not a regret and never crossed my mind that I should have ever come back. And I was really happy with that decision I made. Um, but when I had the chance to stay over in France, um, I could have gone to Bordeaux or another option in, in Clermont. Um, and I came back and went to the Dragons. Um, obviously, a lot of promises, you know, Bill Lynn with, with Lynn, etc., you know, which is great. Uh, but it was a developing nation, and, uh, sorry, developing region. Um, I just wish that, you know, I'd, I'd probably finish my career off with a, a good season or two and then, you know, go out on my own terms. You, you look at the man next to me. You know, he goes out with, you know, scoring tries in his last game, etc. And sometimes I think about that, you know, how good it would have been to to play a final game for, for somebody, you know, and then, you know, probably, I don't know, do the lap of honour, etc. But I never had that, you know, because I was injured in the Dragons. Um, and it sort of just came to an abrupt end and that was the end of it, basically, you know. And then you finish and you think, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm never going to play again. So uh, probably for me, that was probably my, my biggest regret. Okay. Uh Thanks for that, uh, guys. Uh, John, can we move on with another question? Yeah, okay. Uh, we'll do one off social media. Maybe a, a little bit random, I don't know. But uh, lots of people uh, asking it on Facebook Live right now uh, and, and prior to the uh, debate today. Uh, do the panel think that Dan Evans of the Ospreys is harshly treated by the Welsh coaches? He plays brilliantly game in, game out, but never seems to have a chance. Well, Bernie, you're a, a former Ospreys fullback. Um, perhaps you're the best uh, to answer that. Yeah, I think the last uh, four or five seasons, I think he's been stand-up performer for the Ospreys. Um, you know, probably in the, you know the most defenders beaten the most meters week in week out. You know, in the in the in the high, in the Champions Cup as well. And uh, I think just for the sad thing, I think his time's gone now. Uh, that's the only thing for me. I think Gatland. I think he's you know you know he's only 29, um, but I think if it, they were going to pick him now, he would have been. Should have been two or three, four years ago. Um, I do feel sorry for him because, like I said, he is a standard performer. But like Shane said earlier, unfortunately, you know, if you if your face don't fit, you know, what what more can you do? Is is frustrating for him. Um, you know, I am sure other you know teams would love to have him in their you know international teams. But um, yeah, you know, he's he's a great player, um, and I would definitely have him there somewhere. But I, I just think now that his his time's probably gone. He probably knows that as well. So. Uh, it's disappointing because he, he's been playing, you know, top of his game for the Ospreys for the last four seasons, five seasons. S Simon, what's the uh, what's the verdict from the the press bench been on Dan Evans? Um, I was in North America in 2009 when he won his what proved to be looks like it's going to be his two only caps. Obviously, that was a Lions year. It was a development squad. He, he came out that tour well, played in both games. Obviously, he had time with the Scarlets and the Dragons. It's really taken off him with the Ospreys. He's probably been the most cons one of the most consistent players in Welsh rugby. You know, the last three or four years, hardly misses a game. Always high on the um, carrying charts and the tackles beaten charts. Just as I say, so consistent. If you look at this current squad, you can probably 
look at it and say, well, there are a lot, you know, a lot of other fullback options with Lee Halfpenny, you know, with Liam Williams and with Hallam Amos, quality players. I think at the moment when he would have looked at it and realised I'm not going to get a picture in was this summer. If you remember the sequence, Liam and Lee Halfpenny were both away with the Lions. Um, young Reen Williams was picked initially, you know, a selection for the future, you can understand that. Reen got injured, and then I think 31, 32-year-old Phil Dolman, great servant, but he was picked ahead of Dan Evans. Phil Dolman got injured in the Aviva final, and then they, I think they called Patch, didn't they? Rich Patch all went up. So I think when, you, when that happens to you, you think, what did he say? They just don't like me, and sometimes that's just life, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Andy, do you think he's been treated fairly, or...? Well, selection subjective, isn't it? At the end of the day, it is up to the coaches. But I, I think he's had a raw deal. He has been a, a, a you know, outstanding player for the last uh, few years, and he has done it at uh, a, a European level with his uh, with his region. So I think he should have he should have had chances in the past. I agree with what Simon saying at the moment. I think he's probably missed the boat uh, with the, with the guys they got in, in the squad. And, and what I, I would have liked to have seen him at that chance though, a few years ago because I think he deserved it. And if he wasn't up to it then. You know, then they could have discarded him, but not to give him a, a chance, I think, was wrong. I, I, I think as well that um, you look at the fact that they're, they're two bankers, they're two banker 15s, uh, Liam Williams and, and obviously Lee Halfpenny, they're never not going to be in the squad. You, you, we kind of feel that, don't we? But then you've got Harlem Mimos, who's a fullback who plays wing as well, who's a very good player. Then you've got players like, before that, you had Sam Davis, who plays in two, two positions. So he's always been up against it anyway. He's always been up against players that have, uh, have been the favourites, uh, and it's been very tough for him. The fact that he probably doesn't have the out-and-out -out pace as a winger, so he's not that option, has probably gone against him, really. But I, I, I do feel for him, because he has been consistently one of the better Osprey players for some time. Um, but sometimes coaches genuinely believe that perhaps that step up from regional to the international level would be too much for some players. And perhaps, you know, with the players they have in, in the squad, and, and Owen Williams now who's come in, who could probably play 15 if he had to as well. It's, you know, he's just unfortunately falling down the peck in order week, week after week. And the fact that now that the Ospreys aren't playing particularly well, like I say, I think he's probably, uh, he'd probably do very well to get in the squad now. I think the, I think the Ospreys, man, they, they haven't treated him that well either in the last couple of seasons since Sam Davis came on the uh, scene because I think that uh, Dan's a far better fullback than Sam Davis. Sam Davis is out no 10. Okay. Good point uh, there to finish from Andy. John, have we got a, another question, wherever you are? Oh, yeah, there you are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think this one probably follows on quite nicely from that. Hey, boys. My name's Reese. Uh, just a quick one. We've, we've been going back and forth all day about if your face fits. If you look at the Southern Nation sides... A lot of the boys there can't be troublemakers, like Sir James O'Connor, Kirtley Beale, Lee Byrne looking to have a couple of pints at them, four of you, boy. But a lot of those faces seem to fit. They will always go out and have a good time, blah, blah. What makes my face fit? I like a pint. You got them, you got them. Everyone else, everyone else like a pint? No, no, what I'm getting is who, who decides that with a Welsh team? Do you think we're too disciplined? I think the English are the same. They go out. At the end of the day, boys, you train like dev or, or demons all week, and then you've got to act like an angel on the weekend. Who is the person who decides what fits, what doesn't? Is it about talent or rugby, or is it about being a, a respective role model? Well, Bernie, you've, you've um, talked about this in your book, about you know, when's the right time to, to, to let off steam. Um, can you answer that one? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously... Now, especially nowadays with social media, um, you know, camera phones, you, you are in the public eye. Um, coming from my background, certainly Shane's as well. Um, you know, there was a time where, 
you know we could use to go out after a game because that's where we you know gr- brought up from. Um, you know, I, I come up from youth rugby, Brian Athletic. Then, you know, you have to curb it. You know, when you get to, to Wales, because you have, you know, you, you're doing a nation proud, and you know you can't go out and sort of misbehave. But um, yeah, I think you know, especially now with the academies, etc. You know, you are there is a duty. Um, you know, to look after yourself, to look after people around you, etc. And uh, as long as, as long as you've got the talent, um, you know, there's no harm in I suppose having a beer, etc. But you know, I think the days where you can go out and, and get absolutely uh, shit-faced, um, <laughs> it's probably gone now. Um, you know, and rightly so because you know, the, like I said, there's, there's it's easily um, you know the, one click of a, a phone, and you know you're going to be in the tabloids, and it's going to not just bring disruption to the team, you know, the whole nation, the squad, you know. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, I think it's it's probably the right thing to do, probably. Okay, yeah, uh, Shane, you've just come back from uh, a trip to Japan with with Andy Powell, so you're perfectly placed to answer this. I follows on very nicely, doesn't it? Yeah. Ah, look, um, I think rugby is changing all the time. Obviously, I grew up in a in a junior and youth culture where, you know, you you'd play really hard, you'd have a tough game. And the, and the next best thing to do was go and have a couple of pints with the boys and and enjoy that experience. And that was part of rugby. And for me, it was even up until uh, you know nation, um, into the national level, really. And I don't see nothing wrong with that. I don't see the fact that you know you can you can play really tough and have a, uh, and have a good game. And I remember when we used to, me Bernie and and um, James Hook and Phil Z and and, uh, and Gavin Henson especially. <laughs> We we used to play a game. We'd win a big match, and we we, we were high fiving each other on the field. Not only because we'd won we'd won a big match, but it meant we could have a few beers afterwards, like you know. And you know, there's okay to to a certain degree. You know, you you need to behave, but but that was the culture for me. As long as I knew that I would train, uh, sorry, play well, have a couple of drinks, and then turn up on the Monday and be respect of respectful of the players around me and the team and. Um, and you know, make sure that I was, you know, if we were going to train, I was able to train, and I, and I wasn't comatose. Then, then that was it. And it has changed a little bit. A lot of these players now are are teetotal. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with the culture of 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 not, you know, not celebrating and not socialising afterwards. So, it just depends, really. Um, you know, how how are you going to go? Really? But the Welsh the Welsh culture has always been the same. I know it's very old fashioned, but that's the way I was brought up with it. And you know, the way the way I you know the way I used to look at it is if if I played well and I and I worked hard and we did okay, you know I deserve to enjoy myself as well. And you know, sometimes you find out more about about the lads after a game than you do before it or during it. So it's a difficult, it's a fine line as well because I you know I appreciate the fact that these this day and age and and, and probably since since I finished these players have become um, absolute machines. They're more they're more they they big they're bigger and better athletes and they do look after themselves a little bit more probably and and if that's the way then so be it but times do change i think the perception is well that you know the kiwis the australians are the, the the most professional but i can tell you something now they they probably like a drink more than than anyone but the prob- the difference is you know they'll on the monday they'll front up uh, they'll train as hard as you know as they did to the next, the following week, and uh, you know, after you see them after every game, you know, in the changing rooms, and you know, they'll go out when they want to, but they know when, when to turn it on and train, and when to curb it, and uh, you know, that's we know, you know, Kiwis are the best trainers, but uh, go out and have a few beers. So, uh, uh, Andy, uh, you, you're a good trainer. You want to come in on this? 
Yeah, I, I feel sorry for sports people today, whether they're rugby players, football players, athletes, or whatever, because they just under so much scrutiny from uh, social media. The only place really is safe for them to celebrate these days is in a locker room with all that uh, teammates because you can bet if they're in any way is a public place someone will take a picture of them you know we've had Alice Cuthbert when he's walking through Cardiff he threw a phone but someone else has had, uh, taken uh, taken some footage of it so th these guys are in a no-win situation the pressure on on them when they go out socially at times must be almost unbearable okay uh, John um, I've lost him again um, <laughs> oh, there he is yeah. yeah okay let's take another question yeah we'll come to this gentleman then we'll do a couple of uh, quick fire ones off social media and then we'll go over there to that gentleman there uh, my name is Job. Um, the reason I, well, the question I'd like to ask you is that 32 and 35, James Hogg and Gavin Henson are, are really reaching the end of their international sort of opportunities now, maybe. Why is it that for so long both of these players have just been, well, haven't been picked for international rugby? And do you think that they maybe should have been? Yeah, I. Um Look, it, the two two names you mentioned there are probably some of the, the most talented rugby players I've trained and played with, and, and uh, I'll be brutally honest with you. Um, you know, Gavin, Gavin's obviously completely different to James. Um, you know, Gav was was a superstar at a very young age, and found it very difficult. You know, uh, the, the he, he got thrown into the limelight nice and early, and played really well. Um, you know, everyone gives uh, thinks that Gav's got this persona that he's very arrogant and cocksure of himself. You know, he loves rugby, absolutely loves rugby. And, you know, he was one of these players that we really needed to be feeling good before he played for him to go out and play well. And the pressure he, he, he had at a very young age was tough. And the fact, you know, that, you know, he took time out of rugby to do other, pursue other things and then come back and then expect it all to be exactly the same probably was Gav's downfall. Uh, it was tough, you know, he, he, was, he was struggling to find clubs after that um, and found it very tough and we felt for Gav really because he, he loved playing for Wales, he loved playing rugby and he was so, so talented, it was, it was almost a waste and we were gutted for him, we, that, you know, that, that obviously he was, he was going from club to club, he was getting in trouble or whatever and he was just, you know, he was losing his way a little bit and that was uncharacteristic because we knew him as one of the best trainers that I've ever trained with you know, one of the most naturally talented players and one of these players that just ghosted through games and looked like he wasn't really trying, but he was for the love of the game. So, you know, the problem with Gav is he probably missed his time. He probably, well, that, that year that he took out probably, you know, ruined his international career and, and it was a shame and, um, you know, we all wanted a Gav in the team. He, like I said, he was one of the players that, you know, we needed him on fire when he was playing well, Wales played well and we won games. He won games single-handedly for the Ospreys. He won us a Grand Slam in 2005 by kicking that penalty and absolutely demolishing the English team on his own. You know? Oh, no, I scored a try as well tonight. But, you know, <laughs> we'll go on about that. But, uh, no, no like, he, he, massive talent and, uh, and, and a waste as far as I'm concerned. And, and obviously he's in, in, his, in his 30s now. And, you know, it's all about blood in the youngsters. So I'm afraid, unfortunately, it, we're not going to see Gav probably in the Welsh shirt. Hookies a little bit differently, um, different. Again, one of the best trainers I've trained with, one of the most naturally gifted person with ball in hand, um, and an absolute genius. I think Gav, um, I think Hookie's problem is obviously he wanted to play 10. There was a lot of good 10s playing, like Sir Stephen Jones and Priestland and these guys coming through, and he couldn't quite cement that place in the Welsh shirt. In the Welsh shirt. And the fact he could play centre and he could play full-back is great, 
as an utility back. But it's not very good when you when you want to be the outside half of Wales. And I, and and again, that was probably what happened with Hooky. Really, again, honestly, one one of the most talented players I, I've I've trained with and played uh, and played alongside. And as a mate as well, you, you really felt for him because you you know you knew he wanted to play ten. Of course, you knew he wanted to play for Wales, and he you know is the most um, most patriotic Welshman I know. Um, and you know he, he's worked his socks off to try and do that, and unfortunately, it hasn't happened. And now there's there's other you know other players that have come in, Hallam Amos and Owen Williams and these guys that have kind of leapfrogged him now and again probably left him behind and uh, but I was I was I was chuffed to see him come back at the Ospreys. I think you know you could you could bring an bring an awful lot back to that team. You could gain, bring his experience, help the youngsters through, and I thought well you never know with Hooky. You know I think he's still he's still at that age where he offers something different. And who knows, you know, with who knows further down the line if new coaches come in and see something different. And Hooky can get better as well. That's the that's the funny thing about Hooky. You know, he learns all the time, he trains really hard. And and who knows? Bernie. Bernie, what do you think of that? Uh well yeah, I think Hooky's downfall was was my downfall as well. He could play fifteen, so that's why he was out of the team. Um <laughs> but no, I, you know, like you said, I think going to Hooky, um I think we touched upon Gav that um yeah, I think utility and I think when he did play, um, we all know, you know, he's a bit of a maverick, a bit of a genius. Um, he could do things on his own. I think sometimes uh, maybe the coaching staff didn't like that. Um, for my liking, I think he he didn't go to the structures as players. We loved it, um, you know, because you could read it, you could do it off the cuff. You know, you'd know, you know, okay, you'd one of the best handoffs, you know, around you get on his shoulder. But I think you know when you stuck to a structure like Sean and 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 Gats were, I don't think they liked that. Um, and there was a lot of question marks over that. Obviously, Stephen Jones was coming into the, into the team as well. So, when you look at it, hockey's had about seventy odd caps as well. Um, but you know, pr- probably should have, for my liking, he was one of the best. You know, like Shane said, he's one of the, the two of the best players you've named there, the trainers and players I've played with. Okay, John, let's take another one. Yeah, okay, we're going to do the uh, the quick fires now, Dale. So we've been asking okay. people uh, to send in questions for the last couple of days and during the last uh, 45 minutes or so. We've also asked people for sort of some quick fire jeopardy type questions for Lee and Shane, which are either ors. So, Lee, if I said to you strictly or X Factor, you've just got to give you a swift, honest answer as soon as possible. They're mainly rugby related. Uh, we'll start with Shane, though. If so that's all right. Dale, you can do the clock, yes? Yeah, okay. No more. X Factor. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let, well, I don't quite scare the game. Sorry. If we start, if we start with Shane, then John, um, and, and you're ready, and Shane's ready. Um, okay. Off we go. Okay. Lee Byrne or Lee Halfpenny. Lee Byrne. Dragons or Cardiff Blues. Is this me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Dragons. Ireland or Scotland. Scotland. <laughs> Australia. <laughs> Warren Gatland or Steve Hansen. Warren Gatland. Lion Series win or a World Cup win for Wales? World Cup. Clubs or regions? Oh, regions. Johnny Wilkinson or Dan Carter? Oh, Dan Carter. Panto with Nigel Owens or Panto with Alfie? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the connection there then? Um, well, I'm, I, I'm not sure because I'm doing one of the. He's not wearing the same dwarfs in the other one. Okay, okay. <laughs> 2005 or 2008 Grand Slam? Oh, 2008. James Hook or Stephen Jones? Oh, James Hook. 
which is the better book, Shane, my story, or the Burning Shane, 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 my story. Sam Orbiton or Justin Tipperick? Oh, Justin Tipperick. On that note, John, that's time up, mate. That's oh. your minute gone. Sorry. Okay. I wish you'd have gone before that last question. <laughs> <laughs> I will go to Lee now. We'll do the same again. 60 seconds, no more, Del. When you're yeah, ready. Yeah, okay. Uh, take it away. Okay. Uh, night in jail or a dinner for two with Rob Howley? <laughs> night in jail. <laughs> night in jail. Fuck it up. Give me, uh, give me a year at the park any day. <laughs> okay, next one. Andy Howell or Simon Thomas? Simon. Yeah. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> no, we got connection on Twitter, so. Uh, Cardiff City or Swansea City? Uh, Cardiff. Mike Phillips or Reese Webb? Oh, Mike, Mike, probably. ITV or BBC? ITV. <laughs> cash for gold or cash in the attic? <laughs> cash for gold. Okay. Uh, Robin McBride or Neil Jenkins? Uh, Neil Jenkins. Hook or Henson? Hook. Fake tan or sunbeds? Uh, fake tan. Ospreys or Claremont? Oh, uh, Ospreys, Ospreys. Oh. Uh, most dangerous drinking partner, Henson or Andy Powell? Henson. And that's your mate. Dangerous in, yeah. That's your mate. Will 60 cap rule, yes or no? No. There we are, John. Let's uh, wrap it up there. We'll, we'll, the yep, we'll move on to the... Uh, put him out of his misery. The public now, I'm just going to uh, stretch over here to this gentleman. Give me two secs. <laughs> Off you go, sir. Cheers. My name's Luke. It's two parts to this question. It touches a little bit on what the gentleman said earlier on. Um, I'm in English-born, so I'm going to get booze to start off with. But no, no. Or just the one gentleman's going to clap me along. First of all, what is the panel's thought on non-home-born players being in the squads? And then, not only that, then the likes of you having the 60-cap rule for Wales and people like Rhys Webb, who, in my opinion possibly A for money, but also has gone abroad to improve his game, which then will therefore improve the national game, or the, or sorry, the, the Welsh game. What's your thoughts on that? Um, oh, for me, the, I, the residency rule, I'm not a big fan of. Um, you know, I think it's just for instance, you look at someone like Hadley Parks now, I know he's been playing really well in the Scarlets. Um, you know, he's you know superb week in, week out. But, you know, you, you look at somebody he could you know somebody a youngster coming through and and for one person jamie roberts who wasn't in the squad originally who's given you know the last 11 12 years we, we heard about stories about his you know fracturing his skull he was actually dropped from the squad and hadley parks was instead of hadley park so i'm sure jamie if it was a youngster coming through jamie wouldn't have minded that but you know someone like hadley parks who's done his three-year residency um i think you know it's you know, all that, all them years of hitting up the middle and, and taking them knocks for that is a bit, uh, for me, I, I don't agree with it. Um, if you're born in Wales, you know, born in this country and you're not obviously Welsh national, but, you know, I got no problems with that. Um, but, you know, the residency for me is uh, is a big no. And again, going on to Reese Webb, uh, the 60 caps, I think we talked about earlier on, for me, it would just be, you know, play where you want to play until the regions are strong enough and good enough to, to be paying that sort of money to keep the players at home. Um, like I said, you know, it was great for me. Um, so, yeah. Shane? Yeah, I think um, with, the, with the 60 cap ruling, I think, look, as far as, far as I'm concerned, if I was the Welsh coach, I would want access to all the best players I had wherever they were playing. Now, we see the Viva Premiership is very strong. 
Um, we, we said earlier, you know, the players playing in that we're, are only going to benefit from playing there. Playing in France is a different kind of rugby, it's a different style in which they play. However, it's very competitive and very tough, and you play a lot of rugby. Um, so, as far as I'm concerned, I, you know, I, the, uh, the 60 cap ruling is, is very tough, especially on Reese Webb, on a player that, you know, has been very hard done by, and a player we need to be brutally honest with you in the squad. Um, however, I can I can see the flip side as well. I I know that our regions need to be strong. I know that we need to keep bums on seats. I know that we keep need to keep the revenue coming into the regions as well. And to do that, we need to keep our best players in the region. So I, I can see both sides of it. But if I was the Welsh coach, I'd be doing the, the most I could to say, look, I want access to as, as many of the players I can possibly get. You know, um, Rhys Webb's been playing in Toulon. He's playing really well. He's playing week in, week out. He's got a big pack. He's probably learnt a lot in the time he's been there. He's going to come back for Wales and he's going to be a better player. So I, I can see the both sides of it. It is a tough one. It's a hard one to have because we want Welsh rugby to be stronger. For, but for the Welsh re, uh, rugby to be stronger, the regions have to be stronger. And for the regions to be stronger, we need to keep our Welsh players in Wales. So it's, it's a double-edged sword, really, isn't it? Uh, Andy, uh, Hadley Park's coming in. Uh, Rhys Webb being booted out. Is that fair? I think it's wrong because Reese signed a, signed a pre-contract with Toulon, so I should, don't think he should have been covered. I'm dead against the residency rule. I think it should be uh, scrapped completely, and you're not allowed to play for the for those uh, uh, because a lot of players now they go to the country where the uh, which pays the most money. Nathan Hughes from Fiji candidly admitted he's playing for England for one thing. The money. Sorry, and Anscombe as well, was, wasn't it? You know, Anscombe was the next big thing. Um, he came from New Zealand. He, he, he couldn't get in, you know, in New Zealand, nowhere near the All Blacks team. Uh, we opened, the, you know, the checkbook to him, come yeah. to Cardiff Blues. Yeah, he's slightly different because his mother is Welsh, so I guess he's qualified on those grounds. But uh, I would like to see uh, residency stopped, uh, full stop, or, or I know it's been extended, but or extended to 10 years, which would... Uh, which would cover so, kids. Simon, I want to bring you in on this because you, you've um, sort of led the way on this in terms of the, um, the, the media coverage of, of, of the policy. Uh, where, where do you think we are at the moment? One thing I should have said earlier, I mean, we talked about 60 caps. Personally, I think it should be in 60 caps or 150 regional appearances. Loyalty takes different forms. You can have people who spend six, seven, eight years giving great service for the regions. They might have picked up injuries from Wales, like Reese Webb did, and as a result of that, they're out for a long time. And guess how many regional appearances Reese Webb has made? 148. You know, that would have been a way of reflecting all kinds of loyalty towards Wales. On the residency rule, uh, I agree with Andy. I think three, year, uh, three years, I agree with the guys, generally three years is too little. It's going up to five. We can all have a discussion. Should it be three? Should it be five? Should it be seven? Should it be there at all? I think at least going up to five is a positive step forward. Hadley Parks is a difficult one. He's played really well for the Scarlets. All of the countries are making use of the rules, the eligibility rules. Should we not do it? Again, it's always like a moral rugby question. What do you do? It's very, very harsh. But I think at least moving forward long term with the five-year rule, you will see less instances of it. And I think essentially we all want to see Welsh-born or Welsh-qualified players playing for Wales, don't we? Okay, John, let's move on. Uh, got yeah, yeah, we're going to go here, let's try and squeeze in a couple more. We'll have this gentleman, and uh, if everyone tries to think of a real belter to maybe finish off with, I don't know, but we'll, uh, yeah. we'll try this yeah. guy. Uh, so, question does involve Wales. Um, I think this week uh, is the 10th anniversary where New Zealand have been top of the IOB rankings for 10 years exactly. Why? What do they do different to everyone else? Shane, uh, you, you always said that the toughest rugby you ever played was in New Zealand. Um, so what, what do they do differently? 
bloody everything. No, look, they, look they, they, they've been the best side in the world for uh, for a simple reason, really. Uh, they, they do the basic skills the best. Now, everyone says on oh, New Zealand, they're very fancy the way they play. They do this, they're amazing. Yes, they're amazing, and they do win majority of their games, but they do the simple things really well. Now, in, in New Zealand, it's, it's, it's no secret that it's not about getting big. Uh, it's not about you know learning uh, rugby at a, an early age. It's all about being able to pass, catch, uh, tackle properly, and look, look, you know, uh, and kind of run with ball in hand and do the simple things effectively. And I think we get a little bit caught up sometimes in, especially in in the northern hemisphere of getting, getting, becoming a professional rugby player before you're ten years of age. And uh, I, th- I just think simp- uh, rugby is a simple game. You go to New Zealand; it's not about the big boys running over the the, the littler boys. It's they go by size. Age groups, it's obviously age groups as well, but they go by size as well, so that it's a fair contest up until a ve- you know a very a very um, very older age in in the kids, and uh, I think that's the way forward. I really do. You know, these these kids coming through, they've got their basic skills are better than the ki- our kids' ba- uh, basic skills. So when they get to the fact where they're old enough to start learning rugby, they're already two steps ahead, and. Um, I've definitely noticed that when I did a bit of coaching in New Zealand, the skill set on these youngsters was just phenomenal compared to anywhere else in the world. And then that kind of translates all the way through to the, uh, to the, the obviously the, uh, the club level, and then professional, and then the All Blacks. Look, you, you just got to look at the players that got on the team as well. You know, Kieran Reid. You know, up until a, a certain age, he was he was an outside half because he had skills of an outside half. And then when he got big enough and realised, okay. Perhaps I've, you know, I can put a bit of weight in there. I can get stronger and get fitter. Tell you what, I'll go in the back row, but I've still got the outside half skills. I can play in the centre if I need to, you know. And and I think the likes of um, uh, Coles, the, the the hooker as well. Again, he was a back until a very uh, very late age. Now he, that's why he scores tries on the wing for the All Blacks and scores a lot of them and scores thirty yarders because he's got the skills. I think you look something like Brody Italic as well. Um, he could probably play, you know. Outside off, you know, no jokes for any international team. You know, the skills and his passing, um, his interpassing, you, you know, someone like that. And like Shane said, when we've been coaching New Zealand, you know, you've got the kids, you know, all the way up to 13 years of age. They they they're training their barefoot. You know, they haven't got the best boots. All they're doing is they got a ball and they two on ones. You know, three on twos, kicking off both feet, sidestepping. You know. And, uh, and that's all they do, and uh, I think you know it certainly shines through when it, as, yeah. as they get older. I think as well when um, when you are that young and you've got all those skills, and, uh, and people say, "Oh, the All Blacks," yeah, they're very confident when they play. They're very confident to, uh, when they get to about sixteen years of age because they've got all the skills anyway. That's all they know. They they have to do then is learn rugby. Look, if you're in the forwards, right, learn how to scrum, learn what a lineout is, learn where the positioning and so on. That'll come. That'll come with with growing up and intelligence as well. And I think. You know, if you're if you're really good at something and you're better at someone else at doing it, you, your confidence grows and grows and grows. So by the time you're playing youth rugby or just starting your first senior contract or whatever, you know, not only have you got the skills, but you go out there and you and, and you know you're the best on the field and you become the best. And then, you know, confidence then kind of uh, builds and builds. And by the time you're an All Black, you're the best in the world. 
and you know you're the best in the world. So you can go out and you can beat these teams and hardly lose. You can be 15 points down with 10 minutes to go and look at the guy next to you and think, ah, do you know what? I'm not going to panic here. We're the best in the world. We'll win this game. And they'll come back and win the game. And I think that's the difference. I think that's the only difference. Yeah, I was, I was, um, I was out in the Lions, lucky enough to be covering the Lions this summer, seven weeks out there. There's two things. Um, we think we're rugby mad. Until you go out there, you ain't seen rugby mad. You cannot go anywhere, a bar, a restaurant, a, a cafe. They All they want to talk about rugby. And the other thing is, they really don't like losing. They don't like it one little bit. They've got a win-at-all-cost mentality. The media out there, you think, you, think, you think our media is interesting. You should see what they do out there. They're like the 16th man of the All Blacks. is incredible. The flack that Gatlin got out there this summer was just hard to believe. And uh, they're absolutely obsessed with the rugby and winning rugby. The, the, the other thing, of course, is the All Blacks jersey means so much as well over there. I know the Welsh jersey does here, but in New Zealand it's, it means so much, the Maori culture, etc. And it is a different mentality over there. I think we've seen that today. Seb Davis has been picked at number eight by Wales. Immediately people are, de are decrying it. He's never played number eight, etc., uh, etc. Et but like Keelan Reid, he was a former outside half could turn out to be an inspired move, picking him at uh, number eight, and uh, could turn out to be a rival to Mr. Falatel. Okay, well, we'll see what happens there. Uh, John, let's move on. Another yeah, question. Okay, we've got about 10 minutes, I think, so we'll have a, a quick one off social media, then uh, a couple more here. Uh, what's your most embarrassing moment in a rugby dressing room or a newspaper newsroom? Asks Mark Howells from Cardiff. Well, we'll give um, Shane and Lee a, a bit of a chance to think about that. Um, but I'm sure, uh, Andy, I, I know you've had a lot of embarrassing moments in uh, the newsroom, so uh, can you uh, think well, of it? Mine actually happened outside the newsroom on a, uh, on a beach in France. He's doing, he's doing this. He's doing this. those beaches again, Andy. He's at La Ball. What a lovely place. The 2007 World Cup. I was there with my colleague, Mr. Simon Thomas. And uh, we were playing touch rugby on a beach. Simon was running down the wing. He was on the opposite, uh, opposite side of me. I thought, I'll have him now. He was always playing touch. I gave him a little nudge. He ended up in the sea. And immediately, I thought, oh, no, he's broke his shoulder. I thought that my workload is going to double. Uh, and I feared the worst, but he eventually got out, well, he eventually got out of the water because he was submerged like a whale and uh, fortunately recovered. Yes. Um, one embarrassing moment, very early in my career for the Echo, um, Craig Quinnell making his Wales debut, I think, about 1995. Sat there, top table, I was quite raw, quite fresh. I said, I'll ask the first question. I'll get in there, make a mark. I said, Scott, what do you think of making your first debut for Wales? <laughs> he looked at me and he said, I'm Craig. Wanted <laughs> uh, the ground to open up. Sh uh, Shane, um, uh, can, can, can you beat that? Or, or, or Bernie? It shouldn't be too difficult. <laughs> well, yeah, there's been a lot of them kind of embarrassing. Bernie's moments. got a good one. Bernie's yeah, a good, one. <laughs> a good one for me and Shane. We were both in the same changing room, actually, but it, it wasn't us. It was uh, certain Andy Powell. So you probably appreciate this story. Um, we played Italy, I think it was 2000 and would have been nine maybe. Uh, we were losing to Italy. Probably, you know, he had a bit of a stinker in his own terms. Um, come back in the changing rooms, you know, Warren gave us an absolute bollocking. Sean was shouting and Pauli just stood up um, and there was like a, a plasterboard um, sort of column in the middle of the changing room. So he, he started screaming, come on boys. So he punched the plasterboard ceiling, uh, column and he said, fuck this, I'm going out now. And he walked out and he opened the wrong door and he walked into the broom cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, 
he's expected to go back onto the field and he walks straight into the broom cupboard. So they're all, there's Sean and Gats giving us a ball again and Paulie's in his broom cupboard. <laughs> I, I, I've got some, it's not really embarrassing because it's only me that really knew about it, but um, two, 2009 Lions, um, I wasn't involved in, uh, in the Kings game and um, uh, in the evening, Lee Halfpenny went down injured and we'd had a few beers, so... At about uh, yeah, and probably got in about three o'clock in the morning, and about seven o'clock, Rob Howley's knocking on the door. Says, Shane, we need you. We need you to get over um, for the Kings game uh, because we've got a couple of injuries. I, so I thought, oh my god! So I got all my bag and everything together, hangover, got on the plane, got all the way down there, got to the game. The game had kicked off. That's how late I was. <laughs> got, got, uh, got. <laughs> Call into the changing rooms, I could hear, it's like one of those, one of those nightmares you have when you're late and you can't, just can't get your shoes on or something. So I've put my, I've, I've changed and I've got my boot on and uh, I start putting the other boot on, I think, you oh, know, this doesn't feel right and I've looked down and I've got two left boots. <laughs> so, yeah, that, like I say, no one really knew it, though, but I had two left boots on, and, and eventually I kind of looked through the bags, and I played with a size 9, and I'm size 7, so, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was the British Lions as well, so, you know, it was quite a big game as well, to be fair. But. Did it improve your game? said that story. <laughs> Did it improve your game? Improve my kicking game, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lucky I saved the day on that one with that try, but... <laughs> Uh, great, great stuff there, uh, John. Yeah, um, we'll do, we'll two more. Yeah, two yeah, let's do two more and finish things off. Uh, off you go. Hi, my name's Melissa. Um, this question is for both Lee and Shane. Um, now that you've both left international rugby and are working as a pundit um, or commentator, do you ever get criticism from your ex-teammates or the coaching staff for your views? And if so, how do you deal with them? Um, oh, Shane's yeah. always slagging people off, so you yeah. probably have. <laughs> it's great to see what you want now, isn't it? Um, I, I've, yeah, I've actually, I, I think one of my first games, um, I can't remember what it was, actually. I think it, I think it was uh, France at home, and uh, one of our good mates, Mike Phillips, was playing. And, I, you know, I was just watching the game and commentating or just saying whatever. And Mike missed a tackle. And I, I said, oh, Mike won't be happy that he doesn't usually miss a tackle. And that's all I said. <laughs> now, I've gone home. I'm looking at my, at my text messages or WhatsApp or whatever it was. I got six messages off Mike. And I realised straight away, obviously, someone's told him that I've had a go at him. He's had a few beers. <laughs> I've got, you've changed. <laughs> We're meant to be mates. <laughs> Don't call me anymore. <laughs> and you see, as the night went on as well, the messages were getting a little bit naughtier. <laughs> and the last one was something like F off. So I, um, <laughs> so yeah, I've had it straight away. So I kind of learnt very early on, you've got, you can be critical, but you know, you've just got to be a little, you've got you to pick and choose who you're critical on. <laughs> Um, so I, 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 yeah, I kind of uh, learned the hard way, really. He's still talking to me now, actually, because I made sure the next time he played, I just said he was amazing, even though 
even though he had a stinker. Yeah. Hey, that, that Shane actually reminds me when I asked you after that match against Biarritz in San Sebastian, when that winger broke away, Phillips missed him, and then he uh, sort of went Good, past yeah. you, scored that try, put out the Heineken I'm Cup. So, uh, semi finals. <laughs> You're breaking my heart here, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> What was the reply to that then? I had nothing. I had nothing. It was a bit oh, okay. A bit, uh, yes, a look on your face when I asked you that shit. I know. Uh, uh, no, uh, Bernie. Uh, uh, my uh, heart, mate. I think Shane's uh, probably best can't uh, be hard to uh, live up to that one, wouldn't um, Shane obviously does a lot more penetry than me, but uh, no, I think it is. You know, you probably have to be. You appreciate it more um, being on the other side like you guys when you. You know, when, when we're playing, we want to kill you guys, don't we? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you do finish, you know you know how hard it is, uh, a job that you've got to do, and, you know, you you only see what's in front of you, and, yeah, you have got to be probably careful if you just come out of the game. Uh, if you're someone like Gwyn Jones, you just slag whoever you want off. <laughs> okay, okay, John, let's, um, let's, t- let's take a final run from, uh, from the floor. Yeah, last question of the night. I hope it's a good meaty one. I think it is, so uh, all the best. Hi, yes. So my name's Jordan. Um, just a question. Some people are questioning how long Gatlin has got left as coach. How long do you think he's got left, and who would you pick as a replacement, or who do you think would come in as a replacement? Okay. Well, we well we we, we kind of know that he's got two years left, unless he decides to walk before that. But I, yeah. I, I guess the, the the real intriguing part of that question is the second part, Shane. Yeah. Who, who would you uh, who would you replace him? Yeah. Look, I think. Um, you know, I, I I like Warren. I, I like you know how dry he is in his in his in his sense of humour. Was, was that was that because he said you he, uh, you were the most talented? Uh, yes, uh, yes, he was. Of course, he was. Of course, he was. He's one of the most talented coaches I've had as well. So. <laughs> um, ah, look, I think um, I think what what Warren did, which was which was quite funny actually. He, he was just he was just completely. Um, how can I say? He was just very honest about um, the, the, the why he was here and what he was wanting to achieve. Now he, he he pretty much came up in the press and said, "Look, I've got my I've got my contract to run out until the World Cup, and if I honour that, I get a bonus." <laughs> <laughs> what do you say to that, really? So um, you know, I think he, he obviously he's obviously going to be here till the end. He's all, all obviously very committed. I think he probably feels now he's uh, you know he's he's had his time and um, uh, and and he's done a good job and I and I think he has and uh, he's probably found out the harsh way that it's very tough to coach in Wales. You don't you know you don't only have to um, you know, kind of please the rugby players around you, but you got to you got to please a few Welsh people in a few million Welsh people in red jerseys as well. Um, and he's probably had a tough time of it as well, and it has been tough. And he's, you know, he's done a good job in, in you that. You half his time. bonus. Oh, I, I, wish. <laughs> I wish. I earned him half his bonus. That's the thing. Uh, but um, no, look, as as uh, <laughs> as um, as, as a replacement. Um, you know, I was asked this a couple of weeks back actually, and there was a couple of names thrown out, Pivak, and and these kind of names, and. I, I honestly think you know two years is a, it, it is a long time, but it's not a long time as well. And a coach that I'm 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 very fond of, and I think has done a, a great job in a short space of time is Stephen Jones. Now, obviously, he's not head coach at the moment. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, he's not head coach at the moment, but he's definitely got the capabilities of being a head coach, especially in two years' time. He's Welsh, it's a bonus. 
he understands and knows Welsh rugby inside out. And you've only got to look at the job he's done with the Scarlet in a short period of time as well. Remember two years ago, everyone was calling for his head when he just got in the job and, and they weren't doing particularly well. So in a short space of time, he's really got the, the Scarlet's playing some great rugby. You know, he's brought players like Stefan Evans through. Uh, you know, Patchell's playing well down there as well. And they've really got this togetherness and a flow in which they play their rugby. Now, I don't just mean the backs. You know, you look at, you look at the likes of Shingler, who ends up in the mid midfield very often and becomes a distributor. Rob Evans, who I thought was superb uh, against Australia as a, as a third, second, third distributor and really bamboozled Australia. And I think they're playing the style of rugby that will probably suit Wales, especially at the moment. So, for me, um, it's, it's a no-brainer, as far as I'm concerned, in two years' time. Stephen Jones will be a better coach again, and I think he'd be ready to take the helms of the Welsh job. Simple as. But Bernie? Yeah, I, I agree with Shane. I think Stephen Jones, you know, we both played with him. Uh, we know his knowledge as a player inside out. Um, he knows the game exceptionally well, and, you know, you can see what he's doing with the Scarlets and uh, the way he's brought the players on. Um, I'd like to see Dai Young maybe as well, given a chance, uh, but we know... You know, Dai Young might have other ideas, bring in coaches in, but for me, I'd like to see Stephen Jones there um, and, and Dai Young. Okay, look, as it's the last question, guys, I want to bring the, the two unsung heroes on the ending on this. Uh, guys, uh, keep it brief, but who, who would you like to see take over from Warren? I'd like to see Dave Rennie, who's currently at Glasgow. He did an outstanding job with the Chiefs in New Zealand. He's a guy who seems to be able to get the best out of the players at his... Uh, disposal. I think I see Stephen Jones has been further down the line. Gatlin should have left though after the 2013 World Cup, uh, 2015 World Cup. Wales haven't actually won anything uh, since 2013. He's been on two Lions tours and Wales had every influence in beating Australia and drawing a series in uh, New Zealand. I think two, in US presidential uh, terms, uh, two terms is enough and people have already had enough of Donald Trump and he's only a year into the job. Sign, sign who you, who you go for. A couple of weeks ago, I interviewed Rhys Patchell. It was absolutely fascinating to listen to him explain what Stephen Jones does and how he's brought his game on, how he explains things, sit-downs them, constantly positive, constantly imaginative in his coaching as well. Stephen Jones, the boys know better than me, but he, I think he's one of these people who's put on earth to make you feel good about yourself, feel good about life and good about rugby. I would love to see him involved, whether it would be maybe with Dai Young, who he worked with at Wasps, or Pivak, who he's worked with the Scarlets. I think any of those combinations would be excellent, but I think he is the future of Welsh rugby coaching. It sounds a bit like Delmi in the office end, Simon. <laughs> okay, look, on, on that note, we're going we're gonna to leave it there. Um, look, a massive thanks uh, to everyone who's come along. Y you guys make these events. Um, I would have thought there'll be another one um, before or during the Six Nations. Um, thanks ever so much to Shane and Lee uh, for coming along. Um, can, um, can I just say as well... Um, I'm very, very disappointed with my table in the quiz. And on the picture round, they said I was Gwyn Jones. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, thanks too to, to Simon and Andy. And um, I'm sure uh, before you leave uh, that, uh, that, that Shane and Lee will uh, pose for pictures and sign a few autographs. And if there's anything you want to take up with them, they've both said they're willing to give out their home phone numbers as well. So... Uh, <laughs> Thanks a lot. I think uh, I think Andy's going to I think Andy's going to accumulate on the football as well. Just yeah, just just one more thing. Just one more thing before we do go. I've, I've neglected to mention. Um, 
we've got uh, the, the results of the uh, quiz, and it's Simon's baby, this one, so I'm going to hand over to him to, uh, to give those results out. So there we have it then. Hope you enjoyed listening into what went on in our live rugby debate this week. Of course, now attentions will turn to Saturday as Wales face Georgia at the Principality Stadium. First time the two sides have ever met, Warren Gatlin has made 15 changes to his starting team. That's one positional switch in there as well. Liam Williams goes to fall back. He's the only survivor from last week's defeat. Potentially tricky game for Wales. Georgia will be up for it, looking to make a statement. They think they should be in the Six Nations, and what better way to prove it than by beating the Six Nations side. So it'll be an interesting contest on Saturday. Of course, you can follow all the build-up, all the live updates, and get all the reaction after the match on Wales Online.